In this episode of the Flory Stroke Podcast, I'm here today with Dr. Carly Ralston, a PhD neuroscientist at the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. Carly specialises in research to promote recovery after stroke, with a focus towards improving the use of animal models to inform treatment effects on brain remodelling. She is also head of the Preclinical Stroke Research Laboratory at the Flory. In today's episode, we talk about what animal models of stroke have taught us about the brain's response to injury, and some of the promising treatments that have come from this. I'm Tessa Marshall, and this is Scientists of Stroke by Flory Stroke. Welcome to Scientists of Stroke, where we discover how researchers at the Flory Institute are working to prevent stroke and reduce the impact of strokes. You can follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke, and find us on Facebook at Flory Stroke. So, Carly, could you tell us a bit about your research? So I specialise in animal models that mimic the human condition. Uh, for a long time in science, we've used models of brain injury that result in a very reproducible, small stroke that's often being used to test new treatment strategies, both for neuroprotection as well as for recovery. And those models don't necessarily mimic the human scenario. So humans, as we know, are all individuals and no one's stroke is the same. So in people, what we see is a high degree of lesion variance in terms of where in the brain uh, the, the stroke occurs, the size of injury that you end up with. And then we see a lot of variation also in someone's response to that injury. So someone might have what's considered a large injury, but may not necessarily have the same functional deficits as someone with a small injury who has a high degree of functional deficits. So size doesn't necessarily co correlate to functional loss. So what we're trying to do in our animal models is to mimic the human scenario, where we have regional lesion variants, both for size and anatomical distribution. So we've got a model where we can create a, a stroke that affects the subcortex. We've got a mo model that a stroke where it just affects the cortex. We can create injury in the motor cortex, but not the subcortex. And so what we can do is when we're testing new strategies that either protect, protect the brain from injury or promote recovery after the injury has occurred, we've got a model that represents the human condition. And so my research for the last, I guess, 15 years has been looking at characterising the brain's response to injury across varying degrees of what we call stroke severity. So what do you mean by stroke severity? Uh, it's a simplified term within the animal model, but really it's varying degrees of how the brain responds to regional lesion variation. And so we've been looking at glial responses, so the role of inflammatory cells uh, such as microglia, their response to brain injury, the response to, of astrocytes to injury, response of blood vessels to injury, the way in which the brain regenerates, so looking at the stem cell response to injury, and trying to combine all of those parameters together to get a picture of how the brain responds to injury, and that then will allow us to determine how we target treatments that promote recovery. And as an example, as the brain repair, as the brain undergoes injury, you get quite a rapid increase in microglial activation. And this is then followed by changes in astrocytes function. 
astrocytes withdraw their processes from blood vessels and you get a rapid breakdown in the blood-brain barrier. Following that, you get an uncoupling of synapses where the neuron that might have survived a stroke is then left, say for example, unprotected. And as time progresses, we're monitoring this response to determine, well, what is the regenerative capacity of the brain? And what we find is that with changes in stroke severity, you get changes in cell responses. So as you get bigger strokes, like bigger lesions, um, you basically get a bigger response to remodeling, which was really surprising because we actually expected that, yes, you might get a bigger inflammatory response with a bigger stroke, but we weren't expecting to see that we would also get a bigger stem cell response. We'd get a bigger remodeling response and we'd get a bigger angiogenic response. And angiogenesis is the growth of new blood vessels um, after injury. And that was surprising to us. But what does happen is, as you get this increase in stem cell response, which is you know, neuroregenerative, and as you get this increase in new blood vessel growth, you also get this really big increase in glial scarring. And so what my research for the last five years has shown, that as time progresses, that glial scar expands into the non-injured brain. So into the areas of the brain where we see surviving neurons. And that glial scar, forms a barrier to remodeling. So when we're addressing strategies that, are, that we try to, that try to recover lost functions and then through repair and remodeling, we really need to look at the environment that the brain is dealing with in order to achieve that goal. And this is how I've come to work with Julie Bernhardt because we're both interested in how we might improve recovery strategies so as to help get a better recovery response. So how can we use this information to improve outcomes for stroke patients? So one of the approaches that I've been looking at is a drug therapy approach um, where we've been using a rokinase inhibitor to reduce glial scar expansion. So what we've shown is that if we start treatment with this drug three days after stroke in our animal model, and this is an animal model that has regional lesion variation mimicking the human scenario, if we start treatment three days after stroke, and this is a time where we get maximum deficits have peaked, we get maximum injuries peaked, and we treat with this rokinase inhibitor, what we do is we stop the glial scar from expanding into the non-damaged brain, and we reverse functional decline. So fatigue, depression, and demoralization are huge barriers to patients participating in ongoing therapeutic strategies that involve repetition and high degrees of concentration and exercise output. So what we need is something that facilitates those people, that supports those people to get moved beyond those boundaries so that they can better participate in these programs. So if we can develop some sort of drug therapy that supports the remodeling process without exercise, then that's helping people who struggle to exercise but can't. So it sounds like this rokinase inhibitor could be a good solution for those people. Has it been used in patients at all? It has been trialled in humans. So the sad thing about the rokinase inhibitor Fazudil is that in 2009 it was reported to have great success with 1,600 patients in a phase two clinical trial in Japan where it was shown to be neuroprotective. It's also been shown to be protective and useful in the treatment of cerebral vasospasm after cerebral hemorrhage. So two applications for stroke, 
treatment success with a large population sample and then nothing since then. So what we think has happened is that there's been a, a large pharmaceutical company who's bought out the rights to this drug. They've put that drug on the shelf whilst they continue forward with a clinical trial with the competitor. And But the competitor doesn't target glial responses. So it's a classic example of where one pharmaceutical company outbids another pharmaceutical company and one drug gets canned in way of another. And if that drug fails, we're left with nothing. And that is kind of what's happened in this neuroprotection space for the last 50 years. Mm. So unfortunately, at this point in time, we're not likely to see Fazidol move forward as a treatment for stroke. Mm. I love Neil Danaher's um, saying, play on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really, fun. it's a, an amazing, it's an amazing, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing. Like I will, I think, yeah, inspirational, play on regardless. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like very useful words in research and in life. Thanks for joining our conversation with Carly about stroke in animal models. Today, we saw that the size of a stroke doesn't necessarily correlate with the severity of the clinical outcome. We learned about the responses of various cells in the brain, not just the neuron, to stroke. We learned that Fazidil, a rokinase inhibitor, could provide a promising treatment for those who are unable to exercise or complete other forms of rehabilitation after stroke. I'm your host, Tessa Marshall. To hear more about Carly's work and about other stroke research at the Flory, check out our other episodes. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke.